As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. And this week, we are coming to you guys, not live, but recorded, from Cologne, Germany, where the U.S. men's national team has convened ahead of their friendly match on Friday in Dusseldorf, just down the road, against Japan. Uh, We will be with the U.S. for the duration of this camp, headed to Spain tomorrow after the match, Friday after the match. Um where they'll take on Saudi Arabia uh, next Tuesday. Uh, Obviously, it's the final camp before the World Cup. We're going to talk a lot about all of the goings-on around the team. But, Paul, I wanted to start, you know, with some on-the-ground stuff, stuff that we only know because we are here. Um, So what what are your impressions of Cologne? What are your impressions of, of the vibe and the feeling around the team as they, you know, wind down the clock? We're now less than two months away from the start of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, Cologne is awesome. I would say that. I mean, I think I feel, Sam, we've said this a few times where you kind of look around and you just think, man, this is so cool that this is our job, that you get the chance to come here and do this stuff. (laughs) And It's a joke. A couple days ago, (laughs) I was sitting outside of a a coffee shop on the Rhine across from the the cathedral here in Cologne and just an incredible view writing about soccer. I mean, pretty pretty cool. Texting me while I was getting booted off of a train basically yeah, you had some training rubbing issues. it in my face it was kind of mean for being honest well you know that's what this, this friendship is built it's on bullying. many things but a, a big part of it is making fun of each other and, and putting each other down in the right moment so mm-hmm. we should acknowledge that <laughs> um no it's fair <laughs> I, you know it's been it's been a really cool experience being in the city but i think also yeah sam I, I, there is a little bit of a different vibe to this camp too right like yeah the, the stakes are real. We're really close to the start of the World Cup. And I think players sense that. The stakes were real in qualifying. Yeah, yeah, for well. sure. But but now it's like a personal stake, too. Like, it's like a... Right. Like, they, they qualified. The World Cup is happening. They are going, except for are they going, right? Like, that's what's happening for, yeah. for not everyone. Like, it's definitely no. a different experience for Christian Pulisic and Weston McKenney in this camp than it is for Eric Palmer Brown and Sean Johnson. But, yeah. you know, I think that there's, you know, Greg Berhalter 
talked today with with reporters here in in Cologne, and he said, "Yeah, you can feel some of that tension. It, it's certainly there. Mm-hmm. People are a little bit tighter, and that's to be expected." And you know, I think I'm guessing we'll probably see a little bit of that in the performance against Japan as well, where you're just a little bit, yeah. a little bit more. You're 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 thinking about your actions a little bit more. A little. It's but it's kind of strange, right? Because it's simultaneously more relaxed. And a little more tense. And it totally depends on your status with the team. So we, we spoke with Weston McKenney today at the team hotel. And he was his classic Weston McKenney relaxed, kind of joking around self. Like he came in, he was eating a plum, I think, uh, in a good mood, chilled out, um, and having a good time. And, and giving good answers, too, by the way. We'll get into some of those a little bit later. But guys like him and and Pulisic, like you said, they're going to be relaxed in this camp for the most part. Their status is secure. Uh, I am curious to see how the guys on the bubble perform knowing that roster cuts are coming in six weeks, basically November 9th. Uh, So that's, that's going to be a big, big thing in this camp for sure. Um, But there are a lot of big question marks in this camp. Um, Burhalter, he gave a, he gave a few nuggets today on Thursday uh, to, to those of us who are lucky enough to, to meet with him in person. He let us know that Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long will be starting at center back, which I think is probably, I guess it depends on your perspective, one of two huge question marks for this team. He also revealed, huge surprise, Matt Turner will be starting a goal. Um, and he didn't say this outright, but he hinted that Giovanni Reyna will probably not be playing in the middle in this Giovanni. game. Giovanni, wow. I don't know, yeah, that was, I don't know. I didn't think about it. I just rolled with it. You know, that. when in Germany, you go with the formal full name. I, I think it sounds nice, Giovanni. I like it. Sure. We should start calling him that more. All right. Well, you know, I think you, right. I think, you know, you, you kind of earn the Giovanni, right? Like, it's like a, you got to have some like masterful, artful performances. So, you know, I'll, I'll go with it. Okay, fine. Um, so, yeah. So, those are the, the nuggets that we have. We don't know what the rest of the lineup will look like. I'm imagining a pretty first choice 11 for Japan. Um, we'll probably see some heavy substituting in the match, I would guess. Give some guys some looks, some extended looks. Uh, but I think the starting lineup will be will be pretty close to first choice, in my opinion. Do you have any read on that, Paul? Yeah, I think I think a lot of this camp is going to be that. You know, I've been, a, you know, you and I have kind of personally debated the number nine position, which I'm sure we'll go into more depth on. And I think, you know, the, I, I think Jesus Ferrer is going to start, even though I think it is somewhat of a, an open competition. I do think that Jesus Ferreira is like the favorite in the competition right now. And so I think he will get a start or potentially two starts in order to kind of reinforce that, give him confidence and and yeah. also to try to get as many minutes of the guys who you think are going to start the World Cup together. So, yes, I think it will be a first choice lineup. Um, but that being said, there are some unique aspects to you know, to this camp and the way it's gone so far that could influence that. So Sam, I, I forgot to mention earlier, one of my favorite things about Cologne so far has been taking the train from our hotel, the commuter train, you know, to the other side of the city to go to training, USMNT training at FC Cologne. And their training um, facility is kind of in a forest preserve, at least from the the way we come at it from the train station, walking through a little part of town, walk through the forest preserve, and then you come upon the FC Cologne training yeah. facility. And, um, which is super, just a fun walk, super cool to see, um, you know, a different area and how how yeah. the team is built into the community. But, you know, the reason I thought of it is because I went to training the other day on Tuesday and Serginio Des wasn't there. He got in a little bit later. He trained Wednesday and Thursday. 
you know, will that be enough to stick him into the starting lineup? I could see it being a reason he didn't start. I could also see it being that, yes, he's going to start. Of course he is. He played Sunday. He rested you Monday, traveled Tuesday. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are those types of factors that you have to think about. But I, I think, you know, if Greg Berhalter had it his way, he would start his quote-unquote best 11 um, to try to get them some reps together, some time together. Sure. And so by the time you're listening to this, we'll, this article will hopefully already be out on The Athletic. But we have a, a little piece detailing some of the issues at center back and some of the questions at center back um, and also our predicted lineup. So it's kind of the, the normal suspects in the back. Obviously, we know Turner, Long, and Zimmerman for sure are starting. We think Sam Vines will get the nod on the left. We do think Dest will get the nod on the right. Midfield, Adams, McKenney, and Brendan Aronson. That's our pick. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, and then wingers, Reyna, Giovanni Reyna, Christian Pulisic, and, and Ferreira at striker. Although I'm not as married to that yeah. as you well, are, I don't think. Let's talk about why we chose Aronson. One one was that we got a bit of insight from Greg Berhalter. Um, I don't remember. Was it you that asked him about Gio's role? Yeah, yeah. He said he probably won't play in the middle. Yeah. This, and that was who we were looking at as the, who would replace Musa. Luca De La Torre would be the other option who's more of a a like for like in skill set um yeah. to to sub into Eunice Musa's role if you're trying to maintain some of the tactical changes that this team is going to employ in the World Cup maybe you play Luca Dilatori there because he can allow you to have a little bit more of that double pivot where you where you have him drop in to get on the ball the way Greg Berhalter asked Eunice Musa to do so in in June but I think mm-hmm. Brendan Aronson's form and his play with Leeds is going to end up winning out that's why we went with that decision yeah, and for those of you who are unaware, Aronson is lined up almost exclusively as a winger. There have been a couple of times when he's lined up in the middle for the U.S., but he plays in a more central role for Leeds, and he's done a really good job there so far in the Premier League this season. So he's certainly comfortable in that spot. I actually think he prefers it, and he's sort of spoken to that in the past. That's kind of where he feels most at home. Um, do you think this is a situation, if if it is indeed Aronson and McKenney, where it's kind of just like the two free eights that we saw for most of qualifying playing ahead of of adams at the base of that triangle well that's the interesting part of this sam it's like are we past that point of saying okay we're gonna put our best 11 players out there who are available and we'll tweak the tactics around the best players available or are you so... And th- that's all this is. This is just a tweak. It's not a major, major shift. The principles are the same yeah. in terms of what they're trying to do. Yeah, but yes and no. It's, I think they're, it's, sig- it's significant, it's significant, but it's not, a, it's not a break from the overall idea of what they're trying no, to do. No, certainly the game model and the ideas behind how you want to attack opponents changes. But it is, it is a fairly significant change in kind of the yeah, positioning yeah, yeah, of the yeah. midfielders, the role of Tyler Adams, the role of that other number eight, the it space that Christian Pulisic can it's move not, into. It's not a drastic, drastic, everyone needs to reshape how they play. Because right, but you're not going to ask Brendan Aronson to do that. Whereas, so again, do you say... Do you ask Weston McKenney to do it? That's the big I question. I don't think I so. Think. So that's my thing. Is like, Do you say we want these reps of this system this way, so we're going to put Luca Dilatori in? Or do you say, no, if we were to lose Eunice Musa during the tournament... It will be Brendan Aronson that starts, and we're just going to play this way. That's, I think, probably the debate that occurred. I don't know how long that debate was or how short it was. We think it was, no, this is the person who would play in that position. This is how we'll play with that person, and let's move forward, which I think makes sense. Brendan Aronson has played well enough, certainly, at Leeds to warrant that. 
and and you know has been effective and and can bring something different. And also, I should note he started um, in June at that position yeah, as well. So it's it's not as though the, uh, to your point, Sam, this is not something that they haven't done before or that it would be a departure from it. It's very much in line with how they played most of qualifying and and how they even played in June. So that's why that's why we ultimately landed on Brendan Aronson. Um, Sam, I wonder. Let's let's you know when we were doing the line for one area, we probably before. Sorry, Paul, let me cut you off. Before we switch positions, I just wanted to read a quote from McKenney and his availability earlier on Thursday about kind of a couple of things that the U.S. has been working on in training this week that I think will kind of be informative in terms of how we see the midfield play uh, this window. So he said against Morocco and against Uruguay in June, he was not obviously on, on those teams because he was injured. Our transition defensively, when the ball gets switched to the other side or our press gets broken, we just need to track back and get behind the ball again. That's one of the things we're concentrating on in training. And just building out, playing, and having confidence to find those balls that maybe aren't the easiest to find but most effective. Those are the two things we're focusing on right now. So, you know, that tells me maybe maybe McKenney will go look for the ball a little bit deeper than he did in qualifying. Um, but I'm curious to see how that plays out. That'll be something I'm watching closely. Well, what what that noted to me was also that you you now have two people in Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna who yeah. want the ball in tight spaces, who don't mind receiving it with you know, not a lot of room to operate. Who are Giovanni Reyna. Who are both. Do you mean sorry, Giovanni yeah, Reyna? I, I, I lost it already. Who both <laughs> can change a game and can impact the game when they're when they're on the ball around the box and so your goal should be to find them as often as possible and you're going to have mm-hmm. to play some some balls that are into tighter spaces that are trying to break lines that are trying to find them in that space that they like to operate and i would imagine that you know there is a little bit of an emphasis of let's take advantage of having both of these guys on the field yeah you know, as we didn't be. see it very often in qualifying because G- Giovanni no. Reyna was injured for most of qualifying. He played the first <laughs> game against El Salvador. He played against Pulisic Mexico. Pulisic did not play in that match. Yeah, he came in in the in the final window, but we haven't seen a ton of that. Yeah, no Christian Pulisic. You're right. We haven't seen a ton yeah. of that um, at all. So, but it but it looked pretty damn good for a few minutes there against Panama in Orlando. Yeah. Um. That after Reyna came on as a sub in that match. Of course, the U.S. romped in that one, and Christian Pulisic had one of the best games, if not the best game he's had in the U.S. uniform. Uh, Paul, where do you want to take this next? Well, you want to take it to the center yeah, backs? Exactly. I wanted to talk about center backs. Okay. We we felt certain who the starting lineup would, who would be in the starting lineup, but there are big questions around this position in general. The depth chart, top to bottom, I think realistically, I, I would say that when you compare this position group to other teams in similar FIFA ranking positions. You know, it's it's a weak spot, and uh, certainly yeah. unproven. You you have young players who are still working their way up in their respective leagues, who are proving themselves to be starters. You have veteran players who are um, less proven on the international stage, certainly at, at a World Cup level. That's just the reality of this this national team pool. And so, when you take that and then you add in injuries to Miles Robinson, who had become maybe the number one go to center back you know, since last summer, really, um, when you, when you lose Chris Richards, who's, you know, maybe the considered the top young center back in this team, then you lose Cameron Carter Vickers, who had been playing more consistently at Celtic. It, you know, there are bigger and more questions that, that come about. Ultimately, Greg Berhalter told us who the starters will be Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman. This is a, a duo that played several games together, seven games together before Aaron Long, 
uh, ruptured his Achilles. They've played two games together since. What do you think of the center back pairing? What are your concerns? And and is there a player maybe in this camp that you think could surprise, could be the guy who wins a job that mm. maybe wasn't in contention before? What do I think about the center backs as a whole? I'm worried about the center backs as a whole. You know, like you said, they're like I, I think about what, what it looks like against England and Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling and Saka. And I'm like, eh. you know, <laughs> yeah. like, and, and to be fair, uh, that's how a lot of countries would feel going up against a front three like that. Those guys are pretty damn talented. Um, and, and they've scored plenty of goals in their club and country careers. But yeah, it's, it's unproven, it's untested. And I don't know ultimately if it's going to be good enough. And, and I think, you know, it sort of is what it is at this point. I don't think there's any way around that for the U.S., I think you have to rely a lot on your midfielders, Adams and McKenney in particular, to do a lot of that dirty work and protect them and shield them. Um, and I think there's going to be some moments, given how the U.S. play, where one or two of the starting center backs, and let's call it Zimmerman and Long for now because that's who's starting against Japan, are going to be on islands. And are they going to be able to make the play that they need to in that moment? And, and I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but I, I do feel nervous about that. And it, I think in his heart of hearts, Greg Berhalter probably feels the same. Sure. I mean, let's start by saying, you know, one of the benefits or one of the positives about Aaron Long is that he plays in a system that puts center backs on an Island for pretty much all of the time, the way that they press and run in the Red Bull system. Mm -hmm. He is faster than people realize. He is, um, I think more athletic in general than people realize. <laughs> this is such like a, 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 it's like a sports media trope. Aaron Long is a white guy, but he's fast. Yeah. Like it's, it's what they call deceptively fast or quick or sneaky fast. Yeah, sneaky fast. When, it's like, one. yeah, it's, he's a fast guy. Like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that's, that's his biggest strength in this system. And it's biggest strength in the Red Bull system too. That's why Red Bull didn't want to sell him. Um, they felt like his value in, in New York was too important to sell to the Premier League suitors yep. that were there prior to the Achilles injury. His speed is 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 back, but he hasn't had the greatest season so far. No. And I think what's interesting to me is there is one guy who who kind of, I think, could be somebody who sneaks in to the roster and, and maybe into even more consideration with a good camp in the next two games and in the training sessions here in Cologne and in Spain. And that's Mark McKenzie. Um, yeah, the, I was thinking, I didn't answer that question, but when you asked it, I was like, McKenzie. Yeah, I think Mark McKenzie, he's playing his best soccer ever um, for a team that's in second place in, in Belgium. He is starting consistently. He has been put... Something that had not been the case, by the way, in any previous moment right. since he moved to, from Philly over yeah, there. Yeah, and, and he's also a player who Berhalter has trusted in big moments before. He obviously made Nations a, League final. a big mistake in that game recovered mm -hmm. from it mentally, which I thought was impressive just from, you know, when you cover enough sports to see a player have a big mistake and be as young as he was in a spotlight, like he had never been before and, and figure out a way to respond and play, play pretty well for the rest of the game. I thought com considering. I, yeah. Cause that was what, that was the first minute. Yeah. Right? And I think, yeah, you know, I, I just think the fact that he played that game, the fact that he, you know, when you look at the games he's played, like he, he's been trusted in moments with this team. He's a guy I think could sneak, could sneak into the picture um, that maybe we're not Definitely. talking about as much. Especially with the way this, this whole center back picture is sort of being drawn to keep the 
analogy the same. They don't want to mix metaphors. No, of course not. It's very important. Um, but you look at Chris Richards, and he's a guy that's like, okay, he's he's very talented. He's probably got the highest ceiling of anybody in this group, but he can't get on the field, and he's injured every single camp. It's unfortunate for him, but he's been injured. He hasn't played for the U.S. since the game in Canada in January when he initially suffered an injury. He missed the March camp. He missed the June camp. He's now out for this camp. And, yeah, he's played in a few qualifiers, I think four. Is that right? Yeah. Started four. Um, but it's been a long time. Yeah, he started and, four. He might have come in as a sub in a couple other. He came in as a sub, I think, in Columbus the first time against Costa Rica. Or No, he started that game. doesn't matter. Um, but at, at this point, if you're Burhalter, because presumably he's not going to be breaking into the lineup at Crystal Palace between now and Qatar with their center back situation, you can't really count on him starting at the World's Cup when he hasn't started a game in months for anybody and hasn't played for you in nearly a year. Yeah. And I, I have questions if he's even going to make it onto the team, given how things are currently going for him. Yeah, I mean, look, I I I would think that a healthy Chris Richards will make this team because of his upside, because of his ability on the ball, because of I, the I would think all so of those too, things. But he went to Crystal Palace where they you know, I think there's some belief that the part of his game that needed the most work was kind of the physical side of it being um, mm-hmm. Being physical in the box, winning defensive headers, Getting that type a little of bigger, stuff. Filling out. Things that he'll yeah. improve on just training. The same way Matt Turner will improve by facing world-class strikers at Arsenal in training. I think there is some of that. But yes, I mean, I agree with you in terms of his starting ability or how much he's playing. Yeah, it's a concern. But that's the whole point of this position right now. It's like you look up and down the depth chart and there are concerns with literally every single person on the center back depth chart. And I don't yep. care whether you're talking about the number one guy, Walker Zimmerman, or you're going all the way down to Tim Ream or beyond that, Matt Miazga or anyone else. Like there are problems and and so Mm -hmm. um it's just it's a position that's going to be worth watching in every single camp in every single game of the world cup how do these guys step up and respond i'm not saying they and and they can't to be fair to them they they have pretty much answered the bell at most occasions walker zimmerman is a a great example of like a guy who had major major doubts about him not just from us not just from fans but from the coaching staff wasn't wasn't on the roster came in in october proved himself and has Every game when you're like, ooh, this might not be the best game for Walker Zimmerman, he ends up playing well. And so, you know, we'll see because this is the next test for him, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is another new level for him to to figure out. But uh, again, I'm not saying they're incapable, but I think it is a – um, it is going to be an area that we are constantly talking about, monitoring, watching, wondering what's going to happen here and not really having clear – answers we're not gonna have an answer until Qatar (laughs) until they get on the field on November 21st against Wales and the 25th against England and the 29th against Iran we won't know and that's that's a little unsettling but that's the nature of sports I suppose uh Paul let's let's take a break we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about some other question marks on this roster I think we're gonna debate Jesus Ferreira versus Josh Sargent I think that's what's gonna happen here in the next segment so get ready for that stay with us allocation disorder Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul. He is Paul Tenorio. Paul, I, I don't know about you. Um, I think I'm still digesting the dinners that we've had the previous two <laughs> yeah. nights. Yeah, well, you threw a question out on Twitter. Uh, 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 so you solicited questions, I should say, on Twitter. And yeah. one of them was from Andrew Weeby, who asked, have we had Donor Kebab yet? And Weebs. We absolutely did. We ate so much food last night for dinner. And then the check so came much. and you laughed out loud because it was 40 euro. Um, and like they <laughs> ran out of room to put food down on the table in front yeah, of us. Yeah, our table, our table didn't have enough room for all of the food we ordered. I ordered uh, like a falafel on the side, an order of falafel on the side, thinking it would just be like six falafel. It was like a, a foot and a half long falafel sandwich. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, not- wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I was like, man, because I thought you were going to bring it to go. And I was like, this is going to be awkward to walk through the streets with this foot and a half long falafel sandwich. <laughs> Um, I put in some work on it though. And the night before was, was, uh, I mean, very stereotypical German place. Paul, I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell, tell people what the name of the bar we went to was. No, I don't know. I forget. Beer house. Oh man. Come on. Just try and pronounce it. Beer house. You're killing the show. Beer house zoo something. Come on. Try I'm it. I'm looking it up You're, on Slack. I can Slack see you reading the name. Get the name. I can see it. you reading the name. I can tell you this. This is this is good. We were show. super American in there, obviously, in a very, very German place. And um <laughs> Bill Clinton has gone there. Anthony Bourdain has gone there. Yeah. Um our fellow Americans. Most of us, <laughs> neither of us are uh as cool as either of, of those two individuals. Browery Zur Masmule. Masmule? There you go. Masmule. Um yeah, I don't know how to say it. I do know they have this beer called Kolsch here. That's like the city beer. And they serve it in these tiny little glasses. They're very cute. Yeah. Kind of tall and skinny. Yep. And you would and think come that tall by and skinny and, means you're cute. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I guess that's wow. We're really unpacking some yeah. things here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, they keep bringing the food out or the food out. Man, I'm rattled now. Jesus. <laughs> All right, I'm back. So you have your little cute beer and then. It, unless you like put the coaster on the top, essentially they just keep bringing you more and they make little tally marks on the coaster with a pencil so that at the end they can charge you the proper amount. But I had something called a pig's knuckle and I, I don't know. I think the best way to describe it was a miniature ham on the bone and I didn't eat for 24 hours after I ate that thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of food. I, it was a lot of food. I took a train ride yesterday um, to work on a feature story to another region in Germany and you know, we, we had had some conversations with different people here in Cologne about you know, making sure everyone was like very concerned. Have you tried the Kolsch yet? Have you tried the Kolsch yet? Yeah. Um, I saw Greg Berhalter at Greg training. Greg Berhalter was concerned. I saw Greg yeah. Berhalter at training on Tuesday and he said, oh, Paul, you're here in Germany. Have you tried the Kolsch yet? First question he asked me. So <laughs> I, I thought, oh, like I'll Actually, just, you know, I'll talk to these people that I'm visiting in this other region of Germany and, and say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in, we're, you know, Cologne's great. I've, I've tried, don't worry, I've tried the Kolsch. And their reaction was, that's not beer. That's not beer. That's like water. Here, let me give you a real German beer. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was it was fun to kind of experience multiple uh, regions of Germany and their opinion about the, the Cologne another, Kolsch. Another Greg Berhalter Cologne nugget before we get into uh, 
before we get into Josh Sargent versus Jesus Ferreira, he came up to a group of reporters yesterday before we interviewed Josh Sargent, actually, at the team hotel. And he was just, you know, was making conversation, whatever. And he, of course, used to play in Germany and in Holland, which is not far from Cologne. And at a certain point when Frankie Hayduk was playing for Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Burhalter came down to visit him. And in Cologne, it's, it's a pretty Catholic city, at least historically speaking. They have a massive cathedral here, which is very cool. Um, they have this, they have carnival for like three months and it's a huge party and, it, and apparently it gets kind of deboshed. And Burhalter was telling us how he, he came down here to visit Frankie Hayduk during carnival and he didn't really offer any details, but if any of you are familiar with Frankie Hayduk and his work, then you can kind of imagine how that might have gone. <laughs> Do you think Greg Burhalter and Frankie Hayduk were, were skateboarding through Cologne's carnival together? Oh, man. I can't really see Greg on a skateboard. As a fellow tall person with a high center of gravity, it's not a great idea. I am going to give him a little bit more credit. The man played in two World Cups for being a much better athlete than I am. Um, but, you know, balance is tough. A lot of cobblestones here. And if the coal is flowing, you got to be careful. Yeah, not, not These roads are not made for skateboards, if we're being honest. No. I'm sure Frankie was, though. Yeah, to answer that part of the question. Moving on. Let's talk about soccer again. Enough about our party time in Cologne. Um, one of the big questions with this team, in addition to the one at center back, is up top at striker. Jesus Ferreira has been the number one basically since the end of qualifying. He's here with Josh Sargent and with Ricardo Pepe. We talked about, did we talk about that last week? Yeah, we recorded after the roster was announced. So we, were talked, we talked about the decision last week. Um, but now the decision is who to start. We think it will be Ferreira, but I think maybe it should be Sargent. What do you think about that, Paul? Well, I, well, there's a couple things. First of all, I, you know that I have been a Josh Sargent advocate for a long time. I really like the way he plays the game, his approach to the game, his, the kind of the Yeah, this is a role reversal. That, for us. that he brings. Um, but I do think that Jesus Ferreira is going to be the starter. Um, I think Burhalter has kind of indicated as much. And, you know, Jesus Ferreira does a lot of the things he likes. He is able to drop down and combine. He's able to score goals. He's shown that in Major League Soccer. And I think these two games, are, Greg Burhalter is going to give him a chance to start both games and to show that he can finish against World Cup opponents. But, yes, I think that both Sargent, my guess is that Sargent and Pepe will each get the second half of one of each of these games to show what they can do. And, I, if I were to rank the the forwards in this pool based on their ceiling, I would probably rank Josh Sargent number one um, of this group. I also have said uh, while we're here in Cologne and elsewhere that I think that Jordan Peacock has just as good or perhaps a better yeah. chance to make this roster than Ricardo Pepe does right now. But I do think that it's in Ricardo Pepe's hands. Um, so yes. I don't, you know, when I look at the at his feet, really. Yeah, if I were to put being technical money on it if i were to, to say hey if the world cup was tomorrow who would the three people be i would say it was it would be ferrera sergeant and pfock but mm -hmm. um both sergeant and, Pe and pepe will be given every chance to secure their spot at the world cup and and yeah. and yet i i will maintain that i think jesus ferrera will start the opening game against wales it, maybe not the game against england but the first game against wales I could see that. Um, for me, Sergeant just he's a much different profile 
than Ferreira in terms of what he can do physically. You know, I've I've mentioned, I think, on the show, definitely in print in the past, that it looks like he's gotten bigger over the last year or so. And so we we got to sit down with him yesterday as a group of reporters here on, on Wednesday in Cologne. And I asked him, I said, hey, this is what I'm seeing, but it's on TV and photos. Like, have you gotten physically stronger? And he was like, yeah, I hit the gym when I got hurt at the end of last year because I needed to do a better job of coping with these big defenders that I'm facing in the Premier League at that point and in the championship uh, this season. And it's noticeable and it's made a difference. And I think in the World's Cup, I mean, this isn't any slight to Jesus Ferrer. He's just a smaller guy. And he's not as powerful. And I think when you're going against the center backs on Wales and England in particular, that could be an issue if you're trying, if you're attacking up a wing and you're trying to cut a ball back and you need to get across the face of one of them. I have more faith in Josh Sargent to do that than I do in Jesus Ferreira. And Jesus Ferreira, he drops deep and he's a fantastic creator and he's done really well in MLS with his finishing this year and he's, he's been, been really impressive. Um, I think Sargent can do a lot of the things that Ferreira can do in terms of dropping deeper um, and, and combining. He's maybe not like the the classic number 10. He doesn't have those kinds of tendencies that Ferreira does, but he can combine. He can stretch the back line. He knows what to do with the pressing. He's good at that. Ferreira is as well. And so for me, when you talk about who's got the higher ceiling at the World Cup, like you have, I think I think it's clear that it's Sargent. And because of that, I think you have to give him a start. You don't have to start him twice. I think you give Ferreira a start, and I think you give Sargent a start in this camp, and you see how it unfolds. And that could very well happen. I, I, I'm not going to know exactly what Berhalter is thinking. I would say that Landon Donovan know. didn't do too bad. He does bad. mention your name a lot. As a smaller guy, Landon Donovan's a smaller guy. He didn't do too badly in World Cups. Come on. I'm now, not, now not, none of these forwards here are Landon Donovan, but I just want to point Let's that out. Let's not do that. Um, I... I I think it's an interesting conundrum that they face right now because if if we're being realistic, like I've not been sold on Jordan Peefock when he's with the U.S. I, I I try my best and I just don't see it fitting kind of the way this I have team a plays. Peefock theory. What's that? I have a Peefock theory. All right. Well, well, let me let me let me finish real quick and then you say. Finish. Uh, yeah. But like, I just feel like I just feel like Jordan Peefock doesn't really truly fit with how this team plays. He's got. He plays in the two forward system at, at in Union Berlin, and it works for what they do. But when you go to a World Cup, when you have a twenty-six man roster, you can be a little bit specific with how you pick players. And if you're yeah. going to bring three strikers, realistically, that third striker should be in some ways a situational piece. And so, yeah. even though I haven't you know, he's. I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Peebok as like a player all the way around. I see a role for him that could be very useful for the U.S. and and for that reason, I like I said earlier, I kind of am handicapping it that he's got a better chance to be on this roster than Ricardo Pepe does. Um, but yeah. I just I I haven't been able to like fully get there with Peebok yet. Um, kind of as like a starting striker or as somebody yeah. that you're going to count on to yeah to to lead the line. Okay, so that's that's basically my PFOC theory. Um, I'll take it a little step further, or maybe hammer hammer at home. Perhaps I don't think Burhalter and his staff see him as a starter for this team, like at all. I don't think they do. I don't think he offers enough in possession. 
Um, you know, he's a really active presser in the Bundesliga. So I think with time and teaching, he could probably do that for the U.S. I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't. But he hasn't been great at that aspect of it in the matches that he played in qualifying in terms of where he was going and the triggers he was reading and all of that stuff. Berhalter kind of criticized him, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, for some of that. Um, so I don't think they see him as a starter for those reasons. But if you're talking about a guy who can be a threat on set pieces and come in late in the game and be a big body in the box and be dangerous uh, when you're throwing the kitchen sink at the opposing goal because <laughs> you're trying to tie it up, then then yeah, I think he's a good option for that. And I think for that reason, he's got a great chance to go to Qatar. Having said that, like like we were saying earlier, it's in Pepe and Sargent's hands. If they continue, well... If Sargent continues performing well, then he'll be there. And if Pepe can take his performances from his first two games in Holland, where he's got an assist, I rolled my eyes saying that. It was a ridiculous assist. It was a good play. Shouldn't have counted as an assist. And a goal, which absolutely counts as a goal. Um, If he can continue that and carry it forward, then I think he'll end up on the team. Yeah. It's interesting. Again, I mean, there... I mean, it's a good thing, right? It gives us gives us something to talk about. It gives the fans something to worry about. Um, you know, six weeks out from when this roster is announced. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's like the center back position in that it's like I right. don't think these answers will be here until the the first whistle in Qatar and we start to and, see how guys produce. And it's also like the center back position in that you know these are every player is limited, right? Even the very best. But you know these two position groups are pretty limited for the U.S. And I think they're going to limit how far the team can go in Qatar ultimately. Um, so, and, and that's not going to change. I don't think between now and then barring a really surprising positive performance, which, you know, as somebody who covers this team, I'll say I am hoping for, because that means more fun things for me to write about for a longer period of time at the world cup. So that would be fun. Um, Paul, should we take another break and come back and kind of, kind of wrap things up here? I'm, I'm going to ask you some I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'll, I'll prep. We'll prep on the break. It's something we rarely do on Allocation Disorder, a super professional podcast. Stay with us. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Paul, let's dive right into it. The U.S. men's national team is playing Japan on Friday morning in Dusseldorf. We will be there for the athletic, writing, podcasting. We won't have a podcast immediately after the game, um, but we will have articles out. And, Paul, I have a question for you. If you are Greg Berhalter, what do you want to see against Japan? What are you looking for? What are you hoping to get from this game? Not in terms of results, but in terms of, all right, can we tick boxes X, Y, and Z? For me, it goes back to one idea. Can this team be 
what I think Greg Berhalter wanted it to be, what I think U.S. soccer fans wanted it to be when they first started going through how they were going to play and what the strength of this team was. And it comes down to two people, Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna. Because as you pointed out in the last segment, that forward position is a big, big, big question mark. And it has been through all of qualifying and it will be at the World Cup. That's just the reality. Unless, yeah, unless someone gets crazy hot all of a sudden in the tournament. And you have two Barring players. Barring a surprise. Yeah. yeah. You have two players in Pulisic and, and Reyna who can be stars, who can be game changers, who are supposed to be that. You haven't had many minutes with both of them on the field. You haven't had always the best performances from Christian Pulisic with the national team over the last couple of years. You have had almost zero time of Gio Reyna on the field for the U.S. men's national team over the last couple of years. If there's one thing I want to see, if I'm Greg Berhalter in the games against Japan and Saudi Arabia, it's what can we look like if those two are the focal point of what we do? And I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lot of trying to get them the ball in places where they can be dangerous and where they can affect the game and change the game and and score goals. Because I think that's where the production is going to have to come from. And, you know, I believe if, if they can start to sort some of that stuff out, of finding ways to put those players in places where they can be most dangerous, then good things will happen. And it's not the same places, by the way. Like, I think Christian Pulisic's strength is arriving in the box on the back post with really well-timed runs, and then, yeah, occasionally can you get him in space and transition. Whereas Giorena, I think the strength is get the ball on his foot, you know, 20, 25 yards from goal and allow him to work. But I, for me, that to me is like the number one ranked thing that I want to see because you know what that midfield trio can do when they're all healthy. Obviously, Eunice Moose is not here. But even with Brendan Aronson there, you kind of understand how that, that trio is going to work. You know, we're not going to get an answer at center back. We're not going to get an answer, I don't think, at number nine. The fullbacks, Anthony Robinson's not even here. Like, there there are some issues that, yeah, you're going to try to sort through and figure it out. But, like, for me, that is the number one box that I, I think needs to get checked. Like, what can we look like if, if these are our two most dangerous players? And can we make it so that these are our two most dangerous players? What about you? I think that's a good thing to look for. Um, I got a little bit more granular than that with okay. my answers to the question. One of them relates to what you were saying, uh, and that's the shape on the right-hand side. When Tim Weah is the starter, we know where he's going to be, on on the sideline. And that is going to allow plenty of room for the right-sided center midfielder, which during qualifying was usually Eunice Musa, um, and the right-back, which during qualifying was usually Serginho Dest, to kind of move up and operate and, and take up kind of more inside positions when the U.S. has the ball. With Gio Reyna, he's not that type of winger. Now, he can be. So does Greg Berhalter want him out there? I think if, if you're putting him out there, you're kind of neutralizing him a little bit. You want him on the ball in the middle so he can create and cook some things up for you. But if you're playing Brendan Aronson and Serginho Dest on the right-hand side with him, they also like to be in those areas. So how does that work? Um, I think that's going to be something interesting to watch and, and you're going to have to get the spacing right. And there's going to be times probably when it doesn't look good if those indeed are the three. Um, but that's okay. This is this is what these friendlies are for, to kind of work through that stuff. So that's one thing I'm going to be keeping an eye on and one thing that I think Burhalter will be watching as well. I want this, the other, the other things really come down to decisiveness, assertion, and clarity. I want assertive, confident center back play. 
I want to see how they see how they see how they work together. Long and Zimmerman, we've seen them plenty of times before. It wasn't so pretty in June, particularly from Long. Um, so I want to see that be smoothed out a little bit. I think they have a good relationship together, but just kind of understanding, okay, who's going to step when? Who's going to drop when? How is the pressure going to work in those ways? That's something that it wasn't always great against Uruguay in particular. Um, so that's something I'll be looking for. Uh, same thing at striker. Decisive hard runs, decisive hard finishing. I meant to read the Sargent quote earlier, but Berhalter was asked about him by me, actually, um, earlier on Thursday. And he said, I look at how the goals are getting scored. I mean, that's what's important. I'm looking at off the ball movement and how he's scoring goals. Really clean finishes, good ball contact, good placement. Because at the international level, you have to have those things. If you don't, you're not scoring. And he looks confident. Good off the ball movement, even in tight situations, is doing well. His link up play, combination play, his defensive work rate, all of those things have been really good this year. So I agree with all of that. Um, Sargent has looked good in those areas this year. Um, and that's what I'll be looking for from the striker. All of those things decisive, intelligent movement and efficient finishing when they get in those good areas in the box. I think that's huge, not just for the confidence of the individual striker, but for the confidence of this whole team. Because they know, the players know, that there have been issues up there. And I think if they really, really, really believe, if they're given something to believe in, then maybe they could kick into gear at a slightly higher level. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out there right now and say I predict a Josh Sargent goal. You don't even think he's starting. Doesn't matter. I think he's going to score a goal because I think it's going to. I just have a feeling that like these two conversations that we've had in this show will be the conversations that dominate the next six weeks. Who are the center backs? Who is the starting striker? Who's on the depth chart for striker? And for me, like the guy who has the most potential at that forward position to shake things up one to three is Josh Sargent. Yeah. And and so I just have a feeling that he's and he's in great form. He said when he sat down with the reporters on Wednesday that he was mm-hmm. as confident as he's ever been in and his I just, life. I think it's I think it's coming, man. All right. It's coming home. Well, that's a different meaning. We'll talk about that in November. Shout out to England. Shout out to the United States. Shout out to Cologne, Germany, a beautiful city where we're, we're enjoying very much. We'll be in Dusseldorf tomorrow for the game. We'll be in Murcia, Spain over the weekend. Paul, how'd you like that? I really like it. I, I always saw you as a study abroad kind of guy, you know? <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just like a lisp. I love a good lisp. This has been Allocation Disorder. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam. He's Paul. Until next time.